Hi, and welcome to Dancing in the Discomfort Zone podcast. I am your host, Anne Bonnie, and I'm sitting here on Google asking, what is the dance of love? And the dance of love is the rumba. It is storytelling. Its movements show flirtation, teasing, longing, and the ultimate connection between two people in love. It's like that conversation my mom had me with me on the couch when I was six. Honey, when two people love each other, which leads me to what we're talking about today. We are dancing in the discomfort zone with Abby Marsh, master sexologist. And so warning to you, this is about sex. We keep it classy, but if you're not interested in hearing information about orgasms and body parts and things like that, you might want to skip this one. But if you're feeling brave and ready to open your mind to a conversation about intimacy, about love, about the partnership between two people and the pleasure that can come from that, keep listening because Abby is a fountain of information and fantastic knowledge on this topic on how to build intimacy with your partner and how to gain more intimacy with yourself so that you can translate that into more comfort and confidence in other areas of your life. A fascinating episode from a brilliant woman. Enjoy. We are dancing in the discomfort zone today with Abby Marsh, master life coach, master sexpert, and clinical mental health counselor in training. Abby, how are you today? I am and how are you? I'm great because I have been wanting to get you on my podcast for a year since we were in Michelle's retreat together. I literally have it in my notes, put her on the podcast. So I'm thrilled <laughs> to be here today to talk to you. Well, you're my first podcast, so that's an honor. Yeah, don't mess it up, okay? I won't. I'll try not to. (laughs) (laughs) I'm teasing you. Well, now, so let's first talk about your own sort of evolution and the discomfort you've danced in, um, you know, with with your marriage ending and then you becoming a businesswoman. So talk to us a little little bit about that and how you arrived at being a master sexpert. Okay, so... um... I'm not going to go into the beauty that was the divorce, but what I'll talk about is the fact that coming out of it, what I needed was a transition. And that actually was how I started my company, Reinvent Your Identity, taking all of the lessons and realizing that what I had to go through after the divorce was a reinvention. Mm. And the reason I had to go through that reinvention is I got out of a marriage of, I think it was 16 years. For some reason, I've never really tracked how long I was married. But (laughs) (laughs) anniversary, (laughs) schmanniversary. I, I, wow. But I um, came out of there and realized that my entire adult life, um, I was a mother and a wife, and so everything that I knew about me were in those two things: mother and wife. And so when I came out to choose a new career and how I was going to start over um, was that um, I had to discover, rediscover who I was from a spiritual perspective. I had to rediscover who I was as a woman. Um, And I knew none of what that looked like. Um, Later on, as I was moving on into relationships, the first man outside of my husband, because I was only with my husband. We were together since I was in high school. Um, I remember seeing my first naked man outside of him and being surprised. That was some discomfort to dance in. 
um, because I was surprised that just the, the I have no brothers and I grew up with just a single mother. So the idea of a naked masculine body outside of my ex-husband prancing around in my room just <laughs> was not the image I was ready for. And then how to connect with this, the sense of connection. And so I realized that on top of not knowing who I was, everything I was, even where it, in regard to my sexuality, was really um, catering to my ex-husband. That's what the church told me I had to do, right? And I did that well. So, so yeah, and I think so many people find themselves in that place of rediscovery after a marriage, um, especially after a marriage that long and from that young of an age is that that time of transition and so often sex comes into that. So why did you end up creating a business around helping people through that reinvention? So one of the things I found is that everybody kept saying, oh, um, you need to take care of yourself. You need to, everybody really just wants to push you back out there immediately to start dating because they, for some reason, they feel like your years are ticking even faster. Um, and so, oh my gosh, let's just get her married really quickly. Yes. You know, and the I first remember, time you, I remember mm -hmm. after my first divorce, I was 28 and somebody said to me, well, if you're going to have babies, the clock's ticking, you better get married again quick. And I was like, what? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard anybody <laughs> say to anybody ever. But anyway, go ahead. It's amazing how people yes. do that. I often imagine that if I was 30, I think I was 36 when I left. Um, and somehow I've made all of this a blur. <laughs> but as one of the things that I remember thinking to myself was if I was in a culture where they dowry was a thing, where um, they would give whatever the dowry was, whether they were livestock or whatever, I really felt like at this point they were kind of like, um, just give her away. We don't even want a pig. Just, just have her. Just Maybe one chicken. That'll do. Just have her. We'll, we'll give you a chicken. <laughs> Here's a drumstick with Abby. Yeah, you know, like, it really felt like nobody cared about the person and about me healing and about me becoming. It was all about, let's just, you know, a woman needs a man and she needs to roll with it. And so I jumped into my first relationship, I'd say prematurely, without really going through that healing, really coming from that place of, I need to know I'm sexy. I need to know somebody can want me again. And darn it, I wasn't going to go into this old age that was, even though it was way away, I, I had to snag one now. And I didn't, I didn't think about what I wanted, what made me happy, none of that. That relationship ultimately ended because as I was leaving the courthouse, um, I got into that relationship before the divorce was final. I remember thinking, I can have anybody that I want. Am I with the person who I want, really want? Like I can choose whoever I want. Is this it? And I realized that I had chosen a relationship with somebody that was sexually incompatible with me, he was a much older gentleman. It was the first time that I was coming into contact with, wait, my sexuality and my orgasm matters. The first time that that hit for me. Um, and I realized that if this was um, the situation for me, how many more women were not getting to go through their own transformation 
because they didn't get this right. Or they went from relationship to relationship without figuring all of themselves out, which includes their sexuality. Right. And so often because of cultural forces, whether it's our church influence or just social influence, we don't think about that part of it. And especially when you've had your children and all of that, I mean, it's, it's something to definitely think about and get comfortable with. So how do you help people do that? How do you, how did you find the comfort in that? So I remember I was lying in bed next to my partner every time he came to visit. And and that's the other thing. I always did long distance relationships. And whenever he came, he would gleefully say to me at the end, oh, thank you very much for that. I appreciate that you understood that I needed that. And um, I'll get you next time. And I'm like, I was not trying to give you anything. This was supposed to be an us. I was stepping into this with the thought of your orgasm is my uh, concern and you'll think about mine. Uh, but that wasn't the case. And that happened uh, quite often. And then one time I had the courage to speak up for myself. And I said, um, okay, I need for this to go. And, and I laid out my, my preferences. And he looked at me and said, well, you've just made me realize how old I am. And I don't think I can do that. And I said, okay. So I started to plan my exit because I wasn't going to be married to bad sex that much. Yeah. I knew. Well, and, I and knew. it wasn't even just bad sex. It was, it was the, the unwillingness to work with you to give you what you were looking for. It was horrible sex with the unwillingness. <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah. I Sometimes that's another thing that I encourage women with. We're not, not everybody is going to be our thing, right? And the more you know yourself and the more you're connected to yourself, I actually discovered I'm responsible for my own orgasm. So if the person on the other end of it, for me, I don't feel connected to you. I don't feel cared for. I don't feel love. Then I don't have the atmosphere that I need to curate my own orgasm. So um, getting honest about the quality of sex and the quality of the situation yeah. is, is really important. Yeah, and the, and the quality of that intimacy and yes. that we're in this together kind of thing yes. is yes. super important and so often missing. From well, there's, so the only reason I, I, the intimacy, yes, the situation we're in, it depends. There's people who can have great sex. That's one night stands. And yeah. there's people who are having discovery sex and it's amazing. Right. So that's why I said to curate that orgasm, you really just need to have the right condition there, the, the right connection and um, the right person. Uh, some people, you know, depending on the situation, there's some, um, sometimes it's about the energy for some people and not so much about the intimacy. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be, it would be unique. So yeah. let's talk about this. We're talking about orgasm. Now the elusive female orgasm. Mm. If so- <laughs> I like that. Mm. So talk to me about that. Is that a myth? Is that, you know, what have you found is necessary uh, for females to achieve orgasm? So here's the beautiful thing. When the creator created us, he knew this, we would we, be complex in every way. We'll be complex in understanding our minds. We'll be complex in, in many, many ways. We hear 
we think we're complicated. Men think we're complicated. So the, the creator said, you know what? I'm going to make this easy for everybody. Men like to uh, don't want to ask for directions. And, and this is a complicated creature. I'm just going to put this, one. This button. is God talking here. Men don't <laughs> like to ask for directions. You know, God's just talking to the angels. Yeah. So let's just put one button. Let's call it the clitoris. Let's put it there. And that's the female sexual organ. What we have done is ignore the clitoris. I mean, it's only about 20, 25 years that we know the clitoris has the legs and it's more than just a little uh, tip on the front, on the, on the top. Um, and so what you find is that we often um, ignore the clitoris and we try to get vaginal or, or internal orgasms. Here's the truth, more women, most women will not have an orgasm from intercourse alone. So the way for a woman to have an orgasm is to engage the button, engage the clitoris. Um, and I, again, that's another place that I say that starts with you. It starts with self-exploration and self-discovery. Okay. So if you want to have more orgasms or a orgasm, you've got to give them first to yourself because you've got to understand how your own sexual organ needs to be touched and how it needs to be stimulated and what it responds to before you can teach that to somebody else. And, and I learned about the legs of the clitoris from you for the first time. I was like, what? I never knew that. And I literally just Googled clitoral legs just to fact check here. Mm -hmm. And there it is down the V-shaped bone of the pelvis. Uh, fun way to find these bones is to gently press on the pubic bone. Google it, y'all. It's yes. there. So yes. what do the legs have to do with anything? So uh, the, the really and truly, the clitoris is, is built like the penis. It and looks like a wishbone, by the way. It looks like but, yeah. a wishbone, but the, yeah. the, in terms of the, the tissues and the responsiveness of it, it's, it's like the penis. That's like the shaft. Yeah. It, it, the same way the blood engorges in the shaft and that feels good. The legs are just much more engorgement. What we see at the top is, is the tip of it, but really all the engorging and the, 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 the majority of the sensation comes from that whole organ. What you also have um, is that the G-spot, the, the elusive G-spot. Because <laughs> some people, the truth is some people say it's real, some people say it's not. Those that have had G-spot um, orgasms, um, they're convinced it's there and those many more women have not found it. And so there's this consensus around it. But it's believed that the clitoris also helps with the underside, some of the sensation that happens with that G-spot orgasm. Okay, so that they're working in tandem. Yes, they're, they're definitely working. In fact, a woman who gets um, an orgasm through intercourse, it's found that the closer the legs are to the vaginal opening, the more likely she is to have an internal orgasm. And um, you're talking about the clitoral legs, not your actual the clitoral legs. legs yeah, yeah, not. Okay. And that's purely anatomical. You're lucky yeah. or you're not. Uh, uh, yeah. Or yeah. he can, you know, there's things he can do. He can go to, um, your partner can come lean forward a little bit more. So there's more engagement on that vulva okay. on the inner and outer lips and stimulating that whole area. 
So, and it's, so I love that you say that the first step is getting to know yourself so that you know how that happens. So you can share that with your partner. Yes. Um, so how do you build that conversation? Say somebody has been in a relationship for a long time. They've just never talked about it with their partner, but all of a sudden they're like, you know, I could use a little more attention down there. How do you start that conversation or build that intimacy and trust? So one of the things that I teach are different types. There's like about 14 different types of orgasm a woman can have. So I teach that. The thing is, is that one of the activities when, after you've discovered, done self-discovery, I usually encourage mutual masturbation. If you're comfortable, and, and this is what I get sometimes, oh my gosh, I'm going to feel really asking somebody to go through that process with me. So here's my thing. If you're afraid to ask somebody to partake in mutual masturbation with you, you're probably not ready to have sex with that person. Because it's the same body engagement that's going to be going on and the same process that will allow you to explore with mutual masturbation, that is the exact same process mentally that's going to allow you to have a sex communication about what works and what does not work. To have so, that genuine communication. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if I'm afraid to see you touch yourself and to touch myself in front of you, then we're probably not ready for sex. We, we need to do some more connecting. We need to do some more um, exploration and getting to know each other and really having some contracts and conversations around sex. So what if you've been having sex with them for years because you're, you're already married? How do you, how do you get there? in that conversation. So the beautiful thing about marriage is that you're always looking to spice it up, right? It, it, it's Ideally, yes. Spice up. <laughs> well, most of us are always trying to find new ways and new things. And so it's a little bit easier there because we can introduce mutual masturbation. You're, you're connected. Mutual masturbation is something that you, you know, honey, I want to try something a little bit different. And I usually say before we jump to the mutual masturbation in a marriage, because you might have some tension and some folks think it, um, you risk your husband thinking or your partner, because not everybody get a husband, you, you risk your partner thinking that, um, oh, I've not been good enough all these years. <laughs> what? Now you're telling me? To take that away. There's a thing that I, an exercise that I, I introduce people to call um, kind of like body mapping. And that is both people just taking turns, touching each other from head to toe, not touching the known erogenous zones. So not touching the breast, the penis, the vagina, the vulva, stay away from all those areas and touching every other part of your body and discovering new erogenous zones. And I've had people say everything from, I didn't know my nose um, inside of my nose was um, responsive. And the way I do it is I'd usually tell them to use a beginner bullet. And with the beginner bullet, it's usually um, you turn it on. You get these in my retreats too. I teach this kind of discovery in my retreats, my woman on fire retreats. And what I do is you'll use the bullet. You would have done this on yourself as well, but you use the bullet and from the head, you just kind of, it's really massaging. It feels really massaging. You just roll it around your um, partner's body gently 
and then have them respond to how it feels or pay attention to how they respond. And I've had people say, oh my gosh, the nose feels so good. (laughs) It's an erogenous zone for some people, apparently, is they felt like having the nose and another part being touched at the same time really um, turned them on. I've had people in doing the body mapping without the bullet, you can also just touch and rub and, and it's it's about discovering the other person's body. I've had people discover that during an orgasm, I don't know how they make it, but they like their toes to be pulled. I don't know how you get to the toes during it, but apparently. <laughs> I can think of a couple of positions that you probably have access, but you know, it gets into gymnastics. So, and I like this, I like this body mapping idea because rather than just saying, let's sit across from each other on the bed and masturbate together, it's like, let's ease into it. Let's touch each other's hands and shoulders and face and ears and just make that the activity. I want to, go ahead. Not cutting you, but I want to say something here as well. Sex and mental health is a real thing and it's not usually spoken about. I found that body mapping, if you have uh, mental health, usually leads to a lot of anxiety in the bedroom and and a lot of of angst in the body. It could be because of some of the SRIs that people are taking as medication. Okay. So this body mapping is also a really good tool if you're dealing with a partner in the case of where some of the decline in your sex life is because of um, mental health issues. Okay. Well, and and the body mapping without the egg just seems like such an easy way to slowly work into that vulnerability and that trust and that, oh, this is weird. This is, we haven't done this before. But then as you realize like, oh, that feels good. Oh, mm, hey. And then you introduce the little vibrating egg and then it, it becomes more and more. And as the arousal takes over, I would imagine that the inhibitions go down a little bit as the success happens, the inhibitions come down a little bit more. And then you get to that point where you're like, let's try this. And they're like, howdy doody, let's do it. So the reason I use the egg first and not touch first is because there are some people who are uncomfortable with touch. That could be associated with some of the mental health issues out there as well. Some people with mental health issues, they, they just don't want to be touched. There's some people who have um, a trauma or, or, or something that makes touch feel really unsafe for them. So by having an object before touch, it feels less personal and okay. invasive. So that's, that's why I usually do the, I, I usually introduce it with the bullet first yeah. and then now that you know that I'm not going to violate you, let's take it and, and use the hands. Okay. All right. Well, I had, I hadn't made that distinction. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah. If you had advice for somebody who was rediscovering their sexuality, you know, and, and people are, and they're getting the pressure to go and just jump into a relationship. It's such a, not only you're getting the external pressure, but you have that internal pressure. I'm feeling it right now. I'm like, well, I got a date. I want to date some people. And I'm like, whoa, slow your roll, Anne. What advice would you give people on figure starting that inner work and that inner self-discovery before jumping into another thing that might not end up being what you want? So before I say you need to start self-healing, I do want to say we're human beings and not human doings. 
And sometimes when you give the advice to heal, people just get into the doing and the doing and the doing. Of <laughs> Hallelujah. Yep. And I think it's important for you to take pleasure breaks because your healing is not your purpose. And, and sometimes when we get on our healing journey, we treat healing like our purpose. And so we get into it, we dig into it, and I'm healing, and I'm healing, and I'm healing, and 10 years later, I'm still healing. So you it got, sounds so funny when you say it that way, like, I'm healing now. You know, and there's a lot of us who are like doing, it's like healing becomes all of the work. Yeah. And so it's important that you have uh, pleasure breaks in between. Take a break from healing sometimes. You, you need to do that. But, well, and sometimes that time is the healer and just well, being. The reason I don't like to attach healing to that is because then somebody will find a way to make that even more work. So I say just healing. suspend healing because <laughs> yeah. then they'll call it pleasure healing, right? And we're not, we're just having pleasure. Like we're just having fun in this moment. Um, but that's the first thing really you need to do. You need to heal. And in that healing, discover what is pleasurable to you. Realize that you're more than just our parts, right? We're a whole, we're, we're spirit. Uh, we have a spirit, we have a body. And no, we are a spirit. We have a body. And um, you need to take care of both before you can get into a relationship because connections and intimacy, I've heard people use this wonderful phrase. Intimacy is intimacy. If you're gonna let people see into you, you first got to know what you're exposing. And so for you to be vulnerable enough to do that, you've got to discover that with yourself. That starts with you. Um, I often tell women, because um, I work mostly with women, I often tell women one of the things that we have got to do to start that journey of reinvention is give herself permission. I usually say that my Influence is excellence. And I have a whole thing coming with that. But I usually say my influence is excellence. And the reason I am so specific about excellence, many of us are seeking perfection. And the difference between perfection and excellence, perfection is the fear, it's, it's fear of failure. And so you want to get it right. That's the driving force. Excellence is just trying to be your personal best. And in that process of trying to be your personal best, what you do is you are open to risk-taking, you're open to failure, you're open to all of those things that become lessons in the challenges and opportunities for growth. In the process of getting to your personal best. Your personal best. I love it. I love and it. So, so it's about giving yourself permission to, to, to go there and, and discovering you. Um, I have a sex toy company as well. So I wouldn't have it if I didn't believe that there was some amount of um, healing and discovery that can be done with sex toys. It's not for everybody, right? It's not for everybody. But for those who have um, used it, if they, there's no trauma attached and a whole lot of other things that we're, you know, let's say we're coming into it and we can handle it and we want to um, engage with those that's an amazing way to discover um, different things that your body can do. Um, the squirt was elusive for me until I engaged with sex toys. 
And then when I discovered it, I was like, oh my gosh, can I do this over and over and over again? And I could because I learned my own body. Now, if I go with a partner, I'm not afraid to say if there's something that you cannot do. And I know that a toy can do it. Can we bring toy play in? I won't be able to, to comfortably have that conversation with my partner if I didn't explore toys myself. But if I explored it and I discovered, ah, this is not for me. And then I come with a partner who brings out a toy. I can also have that conversation and say, I really don't um, do well with those. So explore different things. Um, some people are comfortable with toys. Some people are not. Um, and, you know, just, just really spend some time. Take time for you. The time that people are trying to tell you to go on date, date yourself, sleep with yourself, enjoy yourself, make love to yourself. Give yourself the things that you think the other person is going to give you to make you happy. Because sometimes us running into the next relationship is not even about external pressure. It's about our own insecurities. Yeah. And, and then you end up filling a need. And this is exactly why I got married the second time, because I thought that was going to give me what I needed. But in the end of the day, it was in me. Yeah. It's always in you. Everything you need is in you. And I love that you said, date yourself, go out to dinner with yourself, treat yourself the way you want to be treated because you kind of get used to that then. And now I understand what it feels like to feel good and to feel healthy in a relationship so that when you get into one that's you're otherwise, if you had rushed into it, uh, you might not have realized, Hey, Whoa, this isn't, this isn't what I want. Yeah. Cause I'm at a point now where um, people are always saying to me, Abby, why, why I've had two relationships since my um, divorce. And I ended both of them because neither of them took me to the levels that I take myself. And I don't mean sexually. I mean, in terms of the experiences that I give myself, the way that I treat myself. Um, I, when I feel like I've entered and I'm sacrificing myself in order to be with you, I'm not prepared and willing to do that. Right. Now, it's one thing if you're willing to grow and to learn to do the things um, that I need, I need yeah. right? Right. But I'm also a grown-ass woman and I don't have time to be a teacher at yeah. this point. I figured if I figured it out and I put in the work, I, I come to me with the work, at least, you know, be in your 10 years, you know, be in your healing path or, or at some point in your healing journey, at least, because I can't take, I'm not willing to sacrifice my happiness to accommodate your healing when you're not willing to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. We can wait around only so long before we're like, yeah, I'm good. Not my, not my job to fix you. Well, Abby, if people are listening to this saying I'm ready for my own sexual revolution and they're interested in learning more about what you provide, how do they find you? So I'm on Instagram as at reinventyouridentity.com at reinventyouridentity. That is um, my Instagram and Facebook. And I'm also on ryicoach.com. That's my website. And they can go to the contact us on any of those. Or they can email me at ryicoach at gmail.com. 
Perfect. I will put all of that in the show notes. Abby, you are a fountain of information and, and a willingness to get uncomfortable and talk about some of this because it is so important. And I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh my God, I've never had that conversation with any of my partners. And part of that is me. So I am so glad that you came on today to talk to us about this uncomfortable yet really important topic. Because if we think about what our life could be, if we embrace this discomfort, it's pretty amazing. Yes. And it shows up in other areas of your life. Honestly, if I'm comfortable with confronting me, then I'm comfortable with confronting my finances, my business and everything else. Love it. Thank you so much, Abby. Thanks for having me. Such an important conversation, such an important piece of being a whole human is understanding your sensual experience as well. So take a look where you are. Take a listen to that again. I tell you, in the editing process, there were some things that I missed in the interview process that are just such gems of knowledge. Again, not just your sexual experience, as she said in the end, all of this self-exploration and self-understanding really translates into other areas of your life, whether it's the quality of the relationship you have with your partner or your business, you know, or your finances and all that stuff. You know, when you have the, com the comfort level, meh, no, not comfort, when you have the confidence to have these conversations in one area, it spills over into the others and your confidence and your resilience raises up. So how's your sex life? <laughs> Don't answer that to me. Just answer it to yourself. <laughs> How is it going? What can you do to increase your experience and improve your experience for you and for your partner? Take a look at that and I will see you on the next Dancing in the Discomfort Zone where we will cha-cha with Allison Evans, who is the CEO and co-founder of a CBD company. Again, walking the line of comfort in what is socially acceptable. So I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.